AZPM still needs your help to build the new Baker Center for Public Media. If every AZPM member like you doubled their annual contribution, a new state-of-the-art facility will continue to bring public media to all of Southern Arizona. Donate now at azpm.org campaign. Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. This week, a look at criminal justice reform in Arizona. As the new legislative session nears, issues like housing affordability, education, and water are expected to be top issues. To kick off our legislative look-ahead series, we'll start by tackling criminal justice reform. Arizona has long been known for its failing and falling criminal justice system, with decreasing access to health care, staffing issues, and crumbling facilities. Those incarcerated and their families are the first to see its negative effects. To combat the problem, earlier this year, Governor Katie Hobbs ordered an independent prison oversight commission to review the state's issues with criminal justice and prison reform. That committee is expected to issue a list of preliminary recommendations to the state that may influence upcoming legislation. Many of those issues are happening right here in Pima County. We begin our discussion of criminal justice reform with Pima County attorney Laura Conover. What do you think needs to be done uh, in the area of criminal justice reform, especially as we get ready for our friends to go back to work in Phoenix in January at the legislature? What we must be constantly asking ourselves is how do we get the most out of our limited resources? How do we get to the actual solutions that we want? And if we all want a healthier and safer community, and of course we do, then then we have to take a look at how people are doing when they come back and re-enter our communities. Because, because some 48,000 people come back out of our state prisons and back into our neighborhoods and into our communities. And we want them to thrive and to have, have healthier and safer communities. And so that starts at the beginning of, of a case when we're looking at um, detention in jail or whether you're out and attending your court hearings. It, it, it plays a role when we talk about whether our, our plea offers require prison or if probation is available. And then it's about the role we play when people are coming back out and we're doing everything we can to uh, encourage good behavior and then expunging or sealing records so that people can be employed and they can have safe housing and they can uh, apply for um, education or accreditation and and move forward in in the world and so it's got to be top of mind at all times and it certainly is for our administration because we've got to be we've got to be smart on justice one of the things you did um is you changed bail or cash bail here how does that play into all of all of those things from the beginning end uh, of reform 
Well, I want to clarify that Arizona remains a cash bail state, which is a point of frustration for me. Um, I, I would like to see that change at the state level. I think cash bail fails us uh, on, on the top end when people can simply pay cash and walk back out and continue to commit the violence that they were in the middle of committing. And, I, and we've seen that happen all too often, and it's, and it's devastating and deeply frustrating. And then at an even higher volume, we see cash bail hold uh, people in jail for no reason on low-level nonviolent crimes only because they can't pay that low-level cash bail. In the meantime, I, you know, if, if I'm going to complain about um, the, the judiciary's use of cash bail at initial appearance, then of course I'm going to do everything I can in my shop to do, to do everything we can to get away from it. The frustration for our office, the frustration for the system, the frustration for the community is that that's not the philosophy being used by the initial appearance judges who are making the decision. And so we're overruled constantly morning and night. And, and, and the jail roster is very clear that people are continuing to be, be held on low cash bail. Um, and, and some of that's beyond the, the control of the, the bench as well when people come back on these low level warrants and are just held, um, you know, really without, without any legal analysis because of this, the very flawed system that, that we have in front of us. So it's it's a work in progress. It's a, it's something that the chief of police and the sheriff and I all really agree on that the system is not working for us at all. It's causing terrible crowding in the jail uh, and worse. And and everyone's really righteously concerned about that. You mentioned the the crowding in the jail. Pima County is looking at. We have a blue ribbon commission looking at building a new jail. There are a lot of people that say. That's not the problem. It's not the building. Do you have any thoughts on whether we need a new jail and how that could help if you, in fact, think we need a new jail? I am never going to be uh, a proponent of increasing the number of people in jail when I'm looking at a population and I'm already frustrated that there are people in there who should be in a hospital, not, not a jail, who should be in a treatment facility and not a jail. And so it's very clear to me that our focus should remain exclusively on reducing that population, fixing our initial appearance system, uh, doubling and tripling down on, on making the jail the last door, not the first door for this growing population that are are a threat of harm to themselves more than anything else and and we should be in a moment of time where we're looking and we are and we are at at the hospital being the first door at at the treatment facility being the first door and the jail being the last door well and one of the things you mentioned is the hospital is the first stop not the the jailhouse door um or eventually, depending on how the, the trial goes, the prison door. You know, when you talk about hospital we, and health care in the prison system, I mean, federal judges have not said anything good about 
healthcare and the Arizona prison system. Is this all part of it for those who are incarcerated that we've got to deal with these things too? And how do we deal with it? Is it just money? What I want to focus on is is the front end because the more people we keep out of the system entirely, the the better the data is so clear. If an officer encounters someone on the street in in a low level nonviolent situation and they believe that a substance use disorder it is 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 the problem here, is the root cause, they can take that person to on-demand treatment 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. And within 12 to 15 minutes, they can safely transfer the person directly into treatment, hand over their paperwork and be right back out on, on, on the beat, right back out to their colleagues out on the street and back to work. Same, same officer encountering someone on the street, if they believe mental health is the root cause problem, they can go straight to the crisis response center, CRC uh, at Banner South, and within three to five minutes, they can drop that person off securely in the back, in their own separate law enforcement entrance, turn over the, the patient, drop off the paperwork, uh, receive a water bottle and snacks, and they're back out on the streets, back out on the beat in three to five minutes, um, and that's what we want to talk about uh, uh, when when we say the hospital or treatment being the the door. We want uh, we want it considered every time we safely can before the before the jail door, knowing as you've just pointed out, Christopher, that that jails and prisons are not hospitals, and even when they're forced to act in a medical capacity. The results in Arizona have been have been catastrophic, as has been very clearly litigated in the federal courts, of, of which we are painfully aware. It you know it used to be that the state of Arizona provided the care in our state prisons, and that was considered to not be up to par. And we went private, you know, perhaps people thought going private would be better. It seems it, it seems to be worse um, again, according to the litigation that that's out there. And again, it you know it uh, it's it's a righteous concern when we when we are incarcerating people on low level nonviolent offenses, and it turns into a death sentence. Um, that's when we know that we have to get a heck of a lot smarter on on what we're doing. That was Pima County attorney Laura Conover, who's running for re-election next year. We should also note that despite sharing a last name, Laura Conover and I are not related. Some view incarceration as a means to rehabilitate those who broke the law. However, access to rehab services behind bars falls short, not just locally, but nationwide. One outside program in the state prison system's Whetstone facility in Tucson is working to connect those incarcerated with classes on coding and guarantees of a job upon release. AZPM covered one class's graduation last May. We checked back in with graduate Nasheed Mateen, who was incarcerated for six years. We wanted to see how he's doing now that he's been released and what holistic rehabilitation meant for him and his family. 
it, it, it's a big question, I understand. But since your release, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I can't complain. Um, you know, it's an adjustment, of course, but uh, I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm excited to be out and, uh, you know, rebuild my life. So you graduated from the Persevere Now program and you studied software development and some things like that. Has that help and training kicked in yet uh, or are you still getting your feet under you and that really hasn't started to kick in? Um, no, it, it's kicked in. Um, it is quiet as kept. Uh, we had a uh, soft skills. We had a soft skills uh, training uh, twice a week with uh, Shayla Scott. Um, and <laughs> those uh, skills, those pointers that she helped uh, us learn and, and take a, a awareness of really helped in my adjustment and getting back into society and dealing with people and, you know, dealing with situations and navigating through some of those situations. So the, the soft skills have definitely helped. Um, the coding part is also, you know, it, it lit a fire in me that that is unextinguishable when it comes to, you know, learning the, the coding. Um, I'm actually in a uh, Harvard class learning Python. So, um, you know, it's helped me to be a, a well-rounded individual and in taking on this, you know, this whole this whole journey. So you mentioned soft skills for people who might not fully understand what those are. What are those soft skills? The interpersonal skills, you know, being able to communicate. Um, to me, the biggest part of communication is listening. So listening to what's actually being said, um, deciphering the emotions um, from what's actually being said. Uh, those are just a drop of the bucket of some of the soft skills that we learned at Persevere. So when we look at things like criminal justice reform, it sounds like these types of programs, the Persevere program, from your view, which is a different view than a lot of people have, are super important to making sure you're successful when you come back out. My point of view is uh, criminal justice reform is something separate from prison uh, uh, reform. I believe that the criminal justice reform is something prior to conviction that definitely needs to be addressed. And then the prison reform is, um, you know, programs like this and getting these programs inside of the prison to to help individuals who really want to help themselves. That's what it really boils down to. Persevere has a vetting process, you know, to get in. And it's very strenuous. You know, you, you test yourself in, in learning these skills and in going through this program. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. I, I think programs like this. Um, and others are, are beneficial. They've been beneficial to me, so I know they can be beneficial to, to individuals in, in similar situations. Obviously, it helped you. You're enrolled in computer programming classes at Harvard. Uh, do you think it helped most of the other men who came through the program with you? And I assume there are women's programs or programs in women's facilities also. Or are you the outstanding one? 
I believe that, you know, a lot of people can can benefit um, from my class alone. There have been um, I've seen changes in individuals, um, you know, prior to getting out and what the class has done for uh, the gentleman that went through my class. It's, um, you know, going through the class and graduating is a, is a true testament of, you know, your perseverance, your resilience and your ability to uh, to overcome adversity. For people listening to this who may not have had your experience, what do you think their biggest misunderstanding is about what it's like to move back to the outside world? Um, I, I believe the, the biggest misunderstanding is that we're not all criminals. Um, you know, just because I've been incarcerated, um, I made a mistake. And... Um, and, you know, I've I've been penalized for that mistake by being incarcerated um, at this point. Now I'm looking to repay my debt to society for my mistake. And in that, you know, I hope that people will look at me as a um, returning citizen, um, you know, returning from incarceration for a mistake and that see me as a, you know, a hardened uh, criminal and, and someone who doesn't deserve a second chance. I know one of the things you're doing in addition to taking classes and all of that is you're working on a documentary about your life as you're coming back into society. Tell us a little bit about that. The documentary is called Prison to Success. Um, it's a compliment, uh, a, a gathering of stories uh, from people who've been through um, this similar situations, um, you know, be it be, uh, be it persevere or just being incarcerated and getting out and, you know, that journey of returning to society, um, you know, finding programs that would help. I've been lucky uh, to find a program named San Diego Workforce. They have a, a prison to employment services. Um, and they really helped me, you know, uh, give me funding for classes, give me direction in um, getting interviews, performing mock interviews, um, you know, giving me the resources and the confidence to be able to, you know, step step forth in society and, and, and you know, be a productive uh, member. That was Nasheed Mateen, a graduate of the Persevere Now program. You're listening to The Buzz. After the break, we hear from Rasa Legal, an organization working to offer affordable legal aid for those looking to expunge their records. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're looking at the different components of criminal justice reform this week. Noella Sudbury is the founder and CEO of Rasa Legal. She's spent over a decade on data-driven justice reform. We talked about Rasa Legal's expansion into Arizona to offer record clearance services. Rasa Legal is based out of Utah, but now you've begun offering record clearance services here in Arizona. Why was our state your first pick to expand to? Arizona um, has the fifth largest incarceration rate in the nation. Um, And it's also one of the states that has the fewest number of lawyers. So what we see is a lot of people who need help, not a lot of lawyers able to provide those services, um, but also a brand new ceiling law, which went into effect in January of this year. And I think that just provides an incredible opportunity If people aren't familiar what that new law was, that ceiling law that went into effect in January, can you give a quick layman's definition of it? Yeah. So when you seal your record, what that means, it's a court proceeding that removes that record from public view. Um, So it comes out of the court system. That's where a lot of background check companies get their data from. And more importantly, it, if you go through the sealing process and a judge determines that it's in the public interest to seal your record, you now have the permission as an individual to answer no when asked on a housing or job application or loan application, whether you've ever been arrested or if you have a misdemeanor conviction or if you have a felony That question, um, everybody knows about it. It's everywhere. And if you have a criminal record, you know what kind of barriers that creates. You get your record sealed, you can answer no. And that's immediately going to lead to opportunities and economic mobility. So somebody listening to this, maybe they're in the situation where they can use your help, or maybe they know somebody who's in the situation What types of things can be cleared from someone's criminal records in Arizona or what types of records can get sealed in Arizona that you all can help people with? Yeah, so Arizona has a few options for someone with a criminal record. Um, Set aside sealing, marijuana expungement and rights restoration. Uh, Rasa plans to help provide affordable services in all of those areas. So the only true expungement you all have in Arizona is marijuana expungement. The Arizona Justice Project actually provides free uh, legal services to anybody who has marijuana-related offenses. Rasa Software will connect you to the Arizona Justice Project for free if you qualify. The new ceiling law applies to both misdemeanor level and felony offenses. Um, Whether you're eligible uh, depends on how many offenses that you have, um, what they are, and how long it's been. Under Arizona law, you're not allowed to seal your record right away. For most misdemeanors, you have to be crime-free or out of the justice system for between two to five years for a misdemeanor-level offense and five to ten years for a felony offense. Um, There are some things that you can never get cleared or sealed from your record. Um, State law governs that. In Arizona, we see exclusions that are pretty common among states. So 
Um, the highest class of felonies are not going to be eligible, particularly violent to felonies. Um, if you murder someone or um, anything aggravated, that's going to be really hard to clear. Um, if you have a registrable sex offense and you have to be on the sex registry, it's basically offenses where there's really a public safety reason to keep that record. Anything else? Um, it's a petition-based process, so it's not guaranteed, but you can ask a judge um, if you meet those time requirements and those numerical requirements to seal your record to allow you to move forward with your life. We know that the only thing you can really get expunged, as you said, is marijuana, but there are other things like sealing and rights restorations, such as voting uh, rights and things like that. That can be really expensive, and some people say it's a barrier for people who want to cast a vote, um, let alone have other rights restored to even trying. Is that your experience? Absolutely. Um, and I think the national research supports this. So a lot of people don't realize how common it is to have a criminal record. One in three Americans, which is 70 to 100 million Americans, have a criminal record. And that is a misdemeanor or felony level record. So it's just a lot more common than people think. And even old and minor records can hold people back years after their, their time in the justice system, making it really difficult to get a job, to get stable housing, uh, to volunteer in your kid's school, to go back to school, to get a loan, to vote, to possess a firearm. There are thousands of collateral consequences of having a criminal record that can just prevent somebody from doing anything. It's like running into a brick wall. You've been out of the justice system five, seven, 10 years, and you can't do very, very basic things that everybody else is allowed to do. Well, and I think you hit right on it. Even though expungements now for marijuana offenses are the norm, if you will, in Arizona and allowed, it's complicated. Um, you can't watch a couple episodes of Law and Order and then just walk into the court and knock this right out. You need an attorney. Yeah. And I think even determining whether you're eligible is complicated, which keeps people out of the process. And so a lot of justice impacted people that I've met through my years on the ground, both as an advocate and as an attorney doing these clinics, um, don't know how to navigate it, right? They don't remember what's on their record. That may sound funny to some people, but it's the reality for a lot of people. And they certainly don't remember exactly what the offense was called, what the severity level was, the date they completed probation, the date of their absolute discharge. And you need to know all of those details about a record to even determine whether you can move forward, let alone get through the court process. And so what our technology does is try to make that question of eligibility easy for people. Um, we have combined um, court records, probation records, and correction records all together to design an application where someone can come to our website and simply type in their name and date of birth. And we will tell people what is on their record and whether it's eligible for set aside, sealing, expungement or rights restoration under Arizona law. And I really can't express like how powerful that is to put that kind of information in someone's fingertips. And even if they're not eligible right away, 
the hope that it can create that, hey, I might be able to do something about this in the future. That was Noella Sudbury of Rasa Legal on clearing records after release. Rasa is hosting its grand opening clinic and resource fair on December 6th in Phoenix. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we continue our legislative look ahead with expected education policy in the new year. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR app. Paula Rodriguez and Zach Ziegler are our producers with production help from Desiree Tucker. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.